We're going to begin today by reading our passage together, kind of changing up how we've entered in. Um, I want us to hear it, and then we're going to go through it. We'll ask the Lord after the reading to uh, grant us understanding. Let us hear God's word from Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22 through chapter 6, verse 9. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, and also Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Bond servants, be, de- be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will and doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the f- same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And you masters do the same things to them, giving up, threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. O God and our Father, please give us understanding of your word by the work of your spirit, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and nearest kinsman redeemer. Amen. Now, this is a uh, passage of Scripture that uh, finds itself talked about frequently or ignored frequently. And it just so happens, you know, I didn't sit here and say, okay, we got this problem in the church and we're going to deal with this. No, remember, what did we do? We started at the beginning of the book of Ephesians, and we're working through the book of Ephesians to consider the life of the church, who we are and what we are to be about So with that in mind, I'm going to give you a brief overview because a lot of times we can just grab some of these verses right out of context. They have some kind of application, but oftentimes we end up slightly askew or out of calibration. We're slightly off. We kind of have a concept, but we're not working it well because we simply take it and say, okay, here's a statement. I have authority, whoever it may be, and you, as as, a... The Westminster in Old English, they would say, you are my inferiors. I have authority over you. 
we need to take this passage in the context of the book of Ephesians. So I want us to remind us this of several things. Again, the whole book of Ephesians, Paul says that we are all saints and there's no longer any degrees of separation. It's all erased by the work of Christ. That there are both truths and doctrines and then how then, based off those truths and doctrines, that we should live. We are all made alive together. We are all in this room. Look about you. Look to your right. Look to your left. Men, women, old, people that lead a lot of people. And maybe you're the youngest child in your house. And you have no one to direct or lead. Everyone in this room, you are all made alive together, raised together by the work of Jesus Christ to accomplish his glory in the church to all generations. Remember what it says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. And of course, we know that God's word teaches us that God gives gifts to all his people. Jesus gives us the gifts as his people to secure the victory. We must, if we're going to have this victory, be servants of all like Christ Jesus. And as we consider these things, we need to remember that we are inseparable. Every last one of us. Again, look to your left, look to your right. Children, look to your older sibling, look to your younger sibling. Look to your brothers and sisters, right? You are inseparable from them. You may see a different family to your left or to your right. You are inseparable from them in Christ Jesus. We are all raised together as co-regents. That is, we are heirs with Christ. What does this mean? This is the very point today that in Christ Jesus we have the restoration of the order of things. If someone has authority and they have no one under them, do they have any authority? Well, they have, they have authority from God to take dominion over what's in front of them, but it's limited. What are we here for? Why are we here? We need to understand that when we hear God's word, we're going to be challenged of things. Ephesians 4.17 reminds us of the futility of our minds. And Ephesians 4.23 tells us that we need our minds renewed. A lot of times how we think, how we approach things, how we deal with difficulties and problems, it's off. We need to say, what does God's word teach me on this? Our our renewed mind, we are told in Ephesians 5, takes action. Like Ephesians 5.26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to... To the devil. And of course, we are reminded that we are to not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. We are to let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Before you get to this whole place about authorities and the restoration of biblical order, There's all this instruction that we are to not be bitter. We spoke about this before, that bitterness comes 
when we are brought to anger or we are offended with those of whom we have expectations. It doesn't happen from a stranger. Well, sometimes it can. I'm offended when someone I don't really know passes egregious laws that restrict our faith. I don't really know them, but I think that's a righteous anger, right? But, but where bitterness comes in, bitterness comes in when someone close to me comes to me and drives something at me and it bothers me, it offends me, maybe it hurts me, maybe it's even grievous sin against me, right? Why is it grievous? Because we have expectations. This comes from spouses, parents, close friends, people that we work with. And Paul, by the working of the Holy Spirit, says all of these things before he ever gets to Here's how you need to act and what you need to be thinking about as it relates to these relationships that we have with the people that are closely around us. We are told that we are not to be partakers with people who take up such attitudes. And again, I want to remind you of this. We often partake in deceptions ourselves. We adopt our own ways of solving bitterness all kinds of sins. And as we come into these things and we discuss this passage of Scripture today, you need to say, I need my mind renewed so that I respond to the way the the Scriptures are teaching me to handle these difficulties and challenges. We need to be transformed and not try to deal with things with our own constructions, our own plans. And why is this? Because we were once darkness. Right? Ephesians 5, 8. But now we are the light in the Lord. So we're told to walk as children of light. We need to understand that this is what brings dominion in the world. It is what elevates Christ. It is what will bring salvation to our homes and to the world. But often we say these little, these little responsibilities, these things in my household, those are just little things. That's not going to transform the world. That's not what the scriptures say. Be faithful in little so that much can be done. Last week we talked about our efforts in obedience to God, how they seem small. But remember what it said in verse 9 of Ephesians 5, For the fruit of the Spirit is what? Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Right? Truth, goodness, and righteousness. And we think, oh, I don't think that's going to bring down the powers that be, those great things out there. And I I, I spoke to to the power of being faithful in the little things, the mundane, the things we see. Ephesians 5.15 says, See that you walk circumspectly. How? That is, we need to be redeeming our time. That is, dominion recovered by reflecting the light of Christ. I'm saying all this because I want you to understand, as you look at what has happened in our country, as you look at what is happening in your community, Deal with what God has given you, the relationships God has given you. Be faithful, be obedient to his word in those things, and then there will be a transformation 
in the kingdom. We don't believe our little bit of faithfulness in our households, in our families, in our lives is really what's going to transform the world. People of God, that is not what God's word tells us. Be faithful where we are and watch what God does. I, I want to point out a couple other things just real quickly here. Remember this. As we deal with things, what causes us to get all bowed up, okay, to, to be full of bitterness, to hold on to things, to be like Gollum, my precious, my precious, right? Why do we hold on to things? What causes us to do that? Well, it's because we are letting our emotions control us. Ephesians 5, 18, and do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, right? That is simply seeking an artificial emotional stimulation. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, and, and you say, oh, that's, that's this special thing out there. I don't know. How do I get to that? He says, yes, be filled with the Spirit. Here's what you do. He says, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in what? Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. i got to tell you something. In, in, in years past, sometimes the hustle and bustle of getting everybody into our 12-passenger van and packing in and, and going to church, it wasn't always very smooth. Right? As a matter of fact, I think I might have been one of the great creators of it not being smooth by being aggravated and why can't you keep up with your shoes? And why don't you get your dishes off? And, you know, I'm on my agenda, and there's all these things. And you'd find that what I was doing would carry on to the rest of the household. Um, you could ask my children, even in the, the short five- or six-minute drive that we had, how often we sang on the way to church. We'd get in the car, and, I'd, man, we got to pray. i got to pray. i got to repent. And we need to get ourselves rightly thinking we're going to sing to the Lord. You know, to be honest, it's very hard to stay angry at somebody when you are singing, especially when you're glorifying God. It puts things in perspective. So as we think about coming in and talking about these relationships and these tensions, don't try to control things. Don't hold on to things. Obey God's word. Read God's word together. Sing God's word together. We are to be a singing people and we are to sing the Psalms, individually, by making melody in our hearts, together, corporately, in your household, even if it's just you and your wife, sing together. When you get together as a church, sing together, knowing that this strengthens us, recalibrates us so that we can follow God's word. And, you know, before we get into this, there's one very last thing. Remember, I'm always talking about context, right? You start right in there. Wives, husbands, children, bosses, underlings, however you want to categorize. There's all these things, right? We have a tendency to look at all of these modern insertions, chapters, verses, subtitles. And they weren't there when, these, when this book was written, so if we want to rightly put this into context, that's why I've kind of gone through the book again real quick here, but I also want to say this to you. Look at verse 20 in Ephesians chapter 5. Before it gets into talking about these different positions, it says, giving thanks always. This is after singing and making melody, right? 
speaking the Psalms of one another, giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here it goes. Submitting to one another in the fear, that is the dread or terror of God or Christ. This is the lead in for today's text. It's about mutual submission under Christ. This means that when we lead, we need to lead by meeting needs. We need to recognize that we are to teach our duties to ourselves and to others. That we need to think about what we are focused on. What are you trying to accomplish? Am I king or queen of my domain? Is everybody listening to me because I have the position? Or... Am I remembering my calling to disciple the nations and it starts in my own household? And what does that mean? We defeat the enemy in the mundane. Remember in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Again, we have built our own solutions as it relates to our relationships. Here we know that God has instructed us to bear fruit in the spirit of goodness, righteousness, and truth. And again, we are told about these psalms, people, as it relates to dealing with the people in our own household. Paul reminds us that we are to be restored to the proper order of things, the restoration of how we are to be in submission to one another. We need to understand as we consider this. It's interesting, when he starts on this, he starts with the wives. He didn't start with, a lot of times when you get into these passages, they talk about, you want the elevation of men. It's all about that. It's about men in power. Well, how come Paul, here by the, by the working of the Spirit, starts with wives? God chose to begin with wives by showing forth the glory of women in their elevated position in his creation. So here we are, Ephesians 5, 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands. As to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so that wives be sub be to their own husbands in everything. Now, the first thing I'd say, ladies, is take the text and remember all that we've been talking about and think this out, that we are to submit to our husbands, how? As to the Lord. Ladies, your husbands, sin. Take it to the Lord. If they're unrepentant, bring it to the elders. The elders of your church, they represent the authority of Christ. Right? So you pray, and if they stay unrepentant, bring, come to the elders. We're called to do that. To exercise um, and exercise both judgment and correction for the purposes of restoring them and it lets us it reminds us that your husband he is your head and he is to act as a savior for you and just as all of us in this room are subject to Christ we must encourage you must remember that you need to be subject to your husbands and everything. And this sounds all by itself. You say that verse, and you're like, you've got to be kidding me. 
right? But we need to remember the order of things is God the Father, God the Son, the husband, the wife, the children. Then we see in, in other areas here in this passage, God, there's business owners, managers, and employees. In this passage, wives are called to remember that they are to place themselves under their husband as the church is under Christ. Many hear this and come to be offended by God's word. We need to remember what it says in the chapters before this in Ephesians. Consider this in context. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20, which he worked in Christ, this is God, the Father, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age which is to come. And he put all things under his feet, and he gave him to be head over all things to what? His church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all. Part of this is we, we get into thinking about the world from our perspective and we forget what it is that God has called us to do. Why did you get married? You got married, oh, that person was pretty, I liked them, we had fun together. That's great, but God has a calling for you to be married to what end? To be part of his mission to the world. It is for you guys to work together and think about this passage in Ephesians chapter 1. This authority structure is given from Christ to his church. It's actually an elevation. You guys are co-rulers, co-regents in the kingdom and the responsibilities that God has given you. And you must work towards that end. God does, in fact, have roles for our created mission to make disciples. But the roles are not about who has more value, but rather it is about how we are made glorious by the one who is over them. We are called to cultivate the motivations of love and affections in our subordinates, just as Christ does for us, the church. We hear words like subordinates and we get all nervous. Okay? But I want you to think about this for a second. Wives, you want to find out what your husband likes and you try to meet his needs and you try to support him right to what end why are you doing it so that he doesn't get angry and lose his temper or are you doing it to further the mission of god in the world and in your household (coughs) husbands you are to study your wives you are to look at them you are to learn all about them you know what fellas when you were courting dating or whatever it was that you want to label it when you came out you were all about finding out what she was thinking what she was about you were all about that And all too often we get married, and what happens? Just drops off the end. Oh, got that box checked off. No, you must continue to learn and strive and find out what she needs and what is going to help her in the mission that God has for her. Same thing is going to apply when you think about your children. If you have more than one child, you will know this to be true. You can't approach and deal with everything with them exactly the same. They don't all respond the same way. You know, I had two sons. One was highly motivated by candy. Right? He would get up at, oh, dark 30. And you could get him right on his uh, homework and his schoolwork by, he could get a piece of candy before breakfast 
Can you imagine that? Of course, he was up at like 5.30. But, but he, he was motivated. He knew he could get that candy by breakfast time if he just got his schoolwork done. My other son was motivated by other things. I'm just saying that you have to be a student of those with whom you are leading and caring for. It isn't about you have authority for authority's sake. You have authority to establish the kingdom of heaven and the people around you to cultivate it. You must become a student of them and then say, how do I do this in a way? How do I help them according to God's word so that they may flourish in Jesus Christ? That goes for your, uh, for your employees or if you're in the military, those that are under you. Now we come to husbands, Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Men, husbands, young men who are aspiring to this, pay attention now. We are to be like Christ and study and see the needs of our wives and provide for her needs, even up to standing in the gap to protect her from all those who would attack and destroy her, because that is what Christ did. Become a student. See the needs. See what those things are that are going against your wife and her growth in the Lord and in the discipleship of your children. And even if you have no children in this room, every time we baptize a new child up here, we all take a vow. This is your family. You have obligations to be working to cultivate discipleship in the lives of every single child in this room. We need to recognize that we need to lay down our lives so that our wives may be glorious in God to the building of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. These are our lesser kingdoms and our lesser culture. This is what God has given to us. How is this done? Husbands, you must wash your wife in the word of God. You must study God's word to lovingly guide, teach, and provide for her. In order to do this, you need to study, but you also need to watch. Men, get your eyes off of whatever it is that's caught your concentration. Look around. How many times have... I just want to say this for a second. I've been guilty of this myself but you're kind of oblivious to what's happening at the house. Right? We're just oblivious. Watch. Listen. So that you are able to speak God's word to assure her in all areas of life. You're not going to have every answer out of the gate. Men, this goes back to when you were pursuing your wife. You were studying and figuring out. You might be calling her friend and saying, hey, what, what do I need to know? You might be learning from her family what she did. All these things, you need to be finding out what's going on with her and then go and get the answers. Study the Bible. Study your wife. Study her world. See her strengths, her weaknesses, her vulnerabilities. What does she need to build the kingdom and culture to the glory of God? Think about this. Why does Christ sanctify and cleanse the church with his word? Ephesians 5.27 That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Now this is important. He is trying to help her grow in God and help 
her build the kingdom of heaven in that world. Are you being like Christ in that way? Do you come home and you say, wow, I got to help my wife grow in God? Is that, is that the question you have? Or is my dinner there? Or my needs being met? Or are you thinking about how you may help her grow in God? Five, Ephesians 5.28 So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. This is about selfishness. When it says he who loves his, his body... Don't act like this, that you don't really love your body. Husbands, we don't usually love our wives as ourselves. We go to work. We do our thing. We come home, and what do we do? We tend to ourselves, our own needs. On a practical level, we drop our clothes, eat our food, be focused on ourselves, our needs. Worse, we walk in and make assumptions about why our wives are worn out with children. I mean, I've been out working. You know, we're especially hard in this as it relates to pregnant wives and those with toddlers. Why are they wore out? Why is dinner not ready? Why is the house not tidy? Why are our children not lined up with all areas of their lives completed and squared away? We do not walk as Christ walked. That is, in every way as we are. That is how Christ walked. We neglect to lead with all humility because we are not loving our wives with the understanding that we are to be providing what our wives need to be in Christ without spot or wrinkle, just as Christ does for us. Men, your wife is hour by hour discipling your children that's what you're called you're called to disciple your children and the children in this church they are working towards that end guard yourself ephesians 5 30 says this for we are all members of his body of his flesh of his bones for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh that's genesis 2 24 Paul goes on to say, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. And then it says, nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Men, you have to sacrifice yourself, demonstrate your love by laying down your life for your wife. And wives, you need to respect your husband. But here's the question, men, are you providing temptations to your wives to not respect you by not loving her as Christ loved the church? Are you providing temptation for your wife by not keeping your word? If you wonder why your children do not mind your wife's voice, it may be because you neglect Christ's voice to you in this passage. When we neglect to obey God's word, Our inferiors, those whom God has placed under the authority that he gave us, we are placing stumbling blocks in their paths. Children, listen up. We're to your part. Are you listening? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise that it may be well with you, that you may live long on the earth. That's a quote from Deuteronomy 5.1. 
Children, you are to honor, you are to give honor to your parents. You need to understand that God blesses obedience to your parents. And of course, those of you that are older, you know this. Your parents are going to sin, they're going to make mistakes, but you're still called to honor them. You're not to discount them. Just as your mother's not to discount her respect for her husband because she's doing it to honor God. And it's interesting, just a few verses about the wife, a bunch on the, the husband and the father, and, and then a few words about children being obedient and honor your parents and know that there's blessing there. And then it's right back, and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath. This word prov- provoke is to rouse them to wrath, to exasperate them, to drive them, to poke at them. Don't poke at them. But bring them up in the training. That is the paideia, the chastening. That's the, that, that is this overall, their whole world. Bring them up in their whole world in the nurture and admonition. That is exhortation and encouragement of the Lord. Do you guys hear the narrative here about discipleship in your homes and about the submission to God and Christ in this? We need to think about what our mission is and stay focused on this. Listen to me carefully. I think one of the greatest things in this that we need to think about in terms of loving our children, this applies to all parents, even grandparents, everybody in this room. A lot of times we take our position, I'm the adult, I'm the father, I'm the mother, I'm the whatever in relationship to this child, and we fail to recognize that we are going to sin against those that God has given us authority over. When we do it, let us consider Matthew 5.24. Leave your gift there for it before the altar. Go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother. And remember, these baptized children in here, they're your brothers and sisters, right? Be reconciled. And then come back to your gift. 2 Corinthians 5.18, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Fathers, demonstrate your submission to Christ by repenting when you sin against your wife and your children and all others when you sin against them. Let me tell you something. That right there will transform the world. It's a small stone, but it will transform the world, starting with where you live. Confess your sins. Now, listen, just because you, let's say your child does something wrong, right? You lose your temper. You don't handle it well. Stop. Repent. Pray with them. Restore. Ask for forgiveness. Be restored. Be reconciled. And then go back and still deal with the sin you're dealing with with them. That doesn't negate that. Don't stop. Oh, I messed up. Yes, teach them how to repent, be reconciled, and then still go back and follow follow through in discipline of your children. Finally, we see bond servants and masters. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in sincerity of heart as to Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, 
with a good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. And you masters do the same thing to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. People of God, the world is transformed and the enemies of God are defeated in worship every Lord's Day and in the mundane obedience to God's word and our relationships every single day. If you aren't sure about this, if you think, I don't know how this is transforming the world, I don't know how this is tearing down the powers and principalities out there, Really? Think context. What comes next? Ephesians 6.10 Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. This brings in, this is all one narrative. This is all one story and plan. Because we take, we take that armor of God passage, yeah, this is for combat against the powers. Right? He says, Great. After you've you know, after you've done all this, right? Put on the whole armor of God. Done what? Been faithful in administering and discipling and cultivating the relationships in your life. Let us pray. Our Father, it has been good for us to be here to sing your praises, to study your word, and to rejoice in your mercies. Give us a singleness of heart that we may love and serve and obey you with all our heart, mind, and being. May your spirit bring forth the fruit of goodness, righteousness, and truth in our relationships. Please restore the order of authority in us. Enable us to both obey the authorities over us and to make flourish those to whom you have given us authority over. By the strong name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.